Well, good morning. <laughs> uh, the title today is Obstacles or Opportunities. I'm going to read you a psalm. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And the last verse I'm going to read is, The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your comings and goings, both now and forevermore. Amen. I mean, that's awesome, that, isn't it? Now and forevermore. Amen. When I was asked to, to do this, um, it was January. Uh, a few of us came on the communicate. Well, a lot of us came on the communication course, and I fought it all the way. Literally, for years, I have been fighting this thing because I cannot stand being in front of people, you know. But I just knew I had to do it. So when the email came out, you know, to go to the front and you know to to do the communication course, it's like right, I'll do it, you know. And I, but I I heard the Holy Spirit say, "And you've got to do this to be able to grow." And to be able to move on in God. Amen. Cass said this morning about having a willing heart, you know, and it's like, Lord, I've got a willing heart to do it. I'm up here now, I'm shaking, <laughs> I'm fear and trembling, you know, but I'm going to face my mountain. That's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm facing my mountain. Well, that's, thank you. I'm facing my mountain. So, you know, my, and this, is, this has been my big, biggest obstacle of all. I mean, there's a few in, that, in you know, in your lives. There's, you know, your obstacles in your life, but this has been my biggest one, really has. You know, um, and for some of us, we might have health, we might have family, you know, we might have finance, that's your obstacle. What's yours this morning? That's what I'm asking you, what's your obstacle this morning? Yeah, and, and how are you going to overcome it? For me, this is what I've had to do, I've had to stand here and overcome my obstacle. The Lord showed me a picture um, a while back um, and it was a mountain. And he said to me, and you said, turn, turn your back on your mountain, which I did. And he said, what can you see in front of you? So I explained what I could see in front of, him, front of me. He said, what can you see at the side of me, to your left and to your right? So I explained what I could see. And he said, right, turn. He said, what can you see at the back of you? I said, nothing, it's just my mountain. He said, exactly. He said, I want you to climb your mountain. So I started to climb it by going on the communication course, <laughs> by doing this, I've started to climb my mountain. And as I got to the top of the mountain, he asked me again, Ange, what do you see? And I could see everything. And he said, this is what I've got for you. He said, don't be fearful. He said, because, you know, everything I've got for you. He said, I'm with you all the way. You know, so, so that's what I've been doing. I've been like <laughs> climb, climbing my mountain. I'm not there yet. You know, and then this morning in the prayer meeting, Dave and Lisa, they said about a time and a season. I knew this was my time. <laughs> I knew it was my season, you know, to be able to, to grow. You know, so find your time, find your season. You know, be willing to have an open heart to God because he's not going to, it's not going to put something there that you can't conquer. Yeah, and the more that I do this, the more I'm going to conquer it. <laughs> Might take me a long time, but I'm going to get there. I'm going to conquer this mountain. Yeah, amen. You know, um, uh, the other one is I had to stand out in faith. You know, I've, I've had to step out in faith this morning. You know, to be able to conquer, conquer. In Matthew, in Matthew 17, verse 20 says, 
you know, about um, if you've got the, this, uh, this seed of the faith of a mustard seed, you know, then you can conquer. Yeah, and that's what I've got. I've just got this little faith, you know, but with this little faith, I'm conquering it. I've, I bet you notice there's some oranges on the tangerines. I bet you're wondering what they are for. Yeah, we're going to dish them out. Phil's going to dish them. My lovely assistant is going to dish them out. <laughs> My lovely assistant. I hope there's enough. Of it. If you peel it, I'll get Chris to peel it. Chris, you could be my assistant. Chris could peel it. Oh. <laughs> Come on, you should be faster than that, Clark. <laughs> Everyone got one? They should be easy peelers, Chris. So. <laughs> juicy, juicy, easy peelers. <laughs> you should be quicker than that, Clark. Come on. <laughs> Kevin and, and, and Chris were my best assistants. You, you can be sacked now. <laughs> yeah, we've got... Have you peeled it, Chris? I should have had one, that blue pizza style. Here's one that I made earlier. That's fine, yeah. yeah. If you notice on your, when you peel your tanje... Oh, that's okay. When you peel your tanje, it's got, like, different segments on. Yeah, and the Lord was showing me that each segment... You know, it's my faith. So I've got the faith at the moment to just stand here. But some might be, you know, it might be your family. You know, uh, the others, it might be your health. You know, some people are suffering quite a lot with the health just recently. You know, but if you've got that faith. But guess what? God has given you the whole thing. He's given you the whole tangerine. You know, so even though we take bits of it will take you know a, a segment of like your faith and a segment for your family you know he's actually giving you the whole tangerine and he's saying you know that's what he wants to give you so he's, you know so you've got everything for life and godliness as they say amen amen, amen. amen. they said they're easy peeled <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, you can eat it carry on Thank you. Yeah, it's this whole process. If you just look at your tangerine here a minute. Hey, they've all got tangerines. Right on cue. If you look at your tangerine, which you've now all splattered around your face. Mine's easy peel. You look at it, we have so many times in our walk in life, we literally say, I have faith for finance. I have faith for healing i have faith for breakthrough but i don't have faith for my unsaved partner i don't have faith for my backslidden kids i don't have faith to get out of the boat i don't even have faith to meet him where he's at it's all the bits but yet he gives us faith in its entirety we have to grow it and we are the ones who compartmentalize the faith that we have do you understand that We've been given faith. So each one has been given a measure of faith. So your measure must be grown and multiplied. Yes? So as Andrew was saying before about facing your mountains, facing your obstacles, whatever it is, maybe your biggest obstacle in life is, I cannot get to the place of seeing my family saved. Thank you for your underwhelming response. 
Now I've got sticky hands and I don't know what to do with them. <laughs> Maybe you get to the place that says, do you know what? I just can't even get to the place of having faith to even talk to my family about them being lost. How do I even get on the page? Because if I say something, they'll say, keep that kind of talk out of here. We don't want it. You're causing a row. No politics and religion around the table. Whatever you've got. And you just think, I haven't got the time, the expression, the expertise, whatever it is, whatever excuse you want to put on it, the reason to find what you're finding. But you know, you'll find something, as Ange was just saying there, that God has, I believe this, in Phil's Mancunian Bible, God has a fantastic sense of humor. God likes obstacles. You and me don't like obstacles. God loves obstacles. You know, I thought this morning, I scribbled myself a fresh note and said, oh, you know, I hate it. I've got up this morning, I started thinking of all different things I could say. So it's all right, Ange, I've thought about 30 since my eyes have opened. Different bits, but one of them has scribbled down. Because we have the Dream Center's resident Bear grills sat in the corner there, in the front. <laughs> when it comes to adventure, there's not much that this man has not seen, even though he's very humble and very quiet about it. We have our resident Bear grill. You don't want to know what he's eaten and what he hasn't eaten, where he's been or where he's not been. He could tell you, but then he'll have to kill you. So don't ask. But you know what, Spam Grill... I believe something from looking through scripture, I find something. What I find is this, God loves mountain climbers. Why don't you come ascend the hill of the Lord? Moses went up the mountain to meet him in his presence. God turns around and says, I want the high places back. All of these times, look through scripture and see how many times God says, there is a mountain in front of you, what are you going to do about it? He wants those high places back. But you know what? Something which is superb. Now, I can't claim this as being a scientific fact, so play with me a little bit. Give me a little bit of grace, will you? There was something that was determined that talks about the snake line. Anybody ever heard of the snake line? The snake line is defined that when you get to a certain altitude, the snake can no longer be found. When you go higher into his presence, the enemy cannot be found there. As we go higher to where he is, you know when you often hear this term, higher levels, bigger devils? I go higher levels, bigger God. And that should be uh, yours and mine experience this morning. I don't know if any of you, as being movie buffs and anoraks, ever saw the film with Hugh Grant. It was about a true story of a man who was worked for the um, Geographical Society or whatever it was. Who was it? The Ordnance Survey. The Ordnance Survey Department. And he was measuring hills to draw the maps in Wales. And he went to this village and they said, look what we've got. We've got this docking big hill here, this mountain. We have it. We are known, our village is known for having this wonderful place. And he went and he measured it. And when he measured it, he said, it's not a mountain. It's not tall enough to be defined as a mountain. It's a hill. So it cheesed everybody off. It absolutely cheesed them off because they went, that's our mountain. That was my dad's mountain. That was my granddad's mountain. That was my great granddad's granddad's mountain. It's a mountain. I'm sorry, according to, the computer says no, Alden and Survey Department, you are a hill and not a mountain. 
So the true story goes like this. They held him a prisoner until they made it a mountain. They kept getting stones and carried them up and putting them on top of each other and they made a mound on top of the mound until when he got his tape measure out, they went, it's now a mountain. So it's the man who went up a hill and came down a mountain. And how many times do you find it in your life, you walk up a molehill and you've turned it into a mountain by the time you've finished? We are so often, we make mountains out of molehills. But I'm not talking to anybody like that here this morning, are we? No? Where you see things, you lose perspective, you take things all out. But you know, the whole thing is that God has the power and gives you the power to remove mountains and see your mountains made low. Has anybody ever read scripture? He makes the mountains low. There is only one mountain that he doesn't touch. What is the mountain? Zion. Zion will stand above all mountains. So even when we turn around and we talk about whether we look at it, mountains of culture, so we look at education, we look at all of the different mountains, whether it's business, finance, whatever, family. You see these different mountains when you read Daniel. Daniel talks about, but there is one mountain that sits above all mountains. We are so busy looking to run into business, run into finance, run into all these things, the one mountain we miss is his mountain. We have to find him where he is. But, you know, we've talked about this morning, or said the title is, uh, Obstacles or Opportunities. If you start to internalize the word, and this is a phrase that will keep going round and round and round, because it's something that has to be so key to us as a house, you'll start to see things change. You know what fear wants to do? Anne said, you know, she had this fear of her mountains. She had this fear of standing in front of people. She had some fear of being able to say something. You maybe don't know how many monsters we've had to kill to have Ange stand here this morning and pass out some tangerines, never mind say anything else, because there is the fear. You know what that fear is? Should we put a title on it? The fear of man. The fear of your faces. The fear of how you will respond. The fear that you'll say, you weren't half a div this morning. The stuff of, because there's not always encouraging words that come. There are those who are discouraging that comes on the back of it. And it's more fearful of how I am perceived in your eyes rather than being obedient in this. Fear always wants to keep you away from what will bring your freedom. And you know, sometimes, whether you like it or not, sometimes you have to face your fear head on. Do you know that? I could name some names. I won't. It's Paul. Who... <laughs> Scared stiff are where spiders are concerned. If you see him, you'd have to see him in a room with a spider to see how that man is going to manifest. You can be doing 80 miles an hour in the outside lane of the M60. If there's a spider in the car and Paul's driving, he ain't driving anymore because he's a spider in the car. That's the kind of fear that you get. But sometimes what you have to do is take your little by little to move towards it. And as you move towards it, allow that faith to start to grow inside of you. Amen? Allow it to grow so you can start to see things change. But more and more, this word must become flesh on the inside of you. The Lord revealed himself to Samuel through his word. I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able. 
It's the understanding of finding him through his word that will cause so many things to open for us. You know, I wrote this thought. Maybe it's a thought. Maybe it's a revelation. Maybe it's some understanding. Maybe it's the Holy Ghost. Who knows? I'll put it down to my mad thoughts at this moment. But I wrote this down. If you want to find him in the chamber, you must first find him in the word. If you find him in the word, then you'll find him in the chamber. Because then we know who we worship. We know how to hold our position in prayer. We know that the revelation brings for who he is. And then I pursue him in that area. Maybe you need convincing on that one. Maybe we need a complete day on that one. But as I pursue him, as I find out, if I find him in the word that he is my lover, he's my provider, he's my provision, he is my father, he is my comforter, he is my help, he's my ever-present need, uh, help in times of need, whatever it is, when I find that and pursue him in that area, it becomes a reality in my life that I know whom I believe and I am persuaded that he is my God in this area. Is that not your experience? We kind of have to walk some things through, don't we? So as we find him, we'll see that things are, are different. But here's where we can start to have some fun. Obstacles, obstacles are opportunities. And this is where I think that God's got his sense of humor. Because it was something I started to figure out. And what I started to figure out is, allow me just a rabbit trail just for a second. God loves a scrap. God loves a fight. But shall I tell you something before you take me out and stone me, as is often the case? Before you take me out and stone me, when God goes to war, he doesn't. You do. Have you noticed how God picks a fight on your behalf? Here you go. Here's a fight on your behalf. Just one tiny example of that is it says, and the angel together, and Satan appeared, and God says to him, what you've been doing, Chris? I've been walking to and fro the earth. That's what he says. And so what does God say? Have you uh, considered Veronica? Because <laughs> while you've, you're busy trying to look for something to do, finding a bit of mischief, there's one over there you can go and have a go at. And then all hell breaks out on Veronica as God stands back and throws you into the fire. Now, we know that the battle is the Lord's. But whose fight is it? <laughs> Who's the one getting punched in the face? I learn in my mountains, and as I learn as I walk through things, that there are times that there are obstacles, and these obstacles are for my opportunity. It's for giving me time and, and, time and reason to grow. So let's show you a couple of obstacles. A few obstacles and a few of opportunities that came off the back of it. What about when the angel appears to Gideon in the wine press and says, The Lord is with you, almighty warrior. And his response was, Me. I am the least in my clan. Never mind, my family. What you're looking at me for? And God says, No, what you see and what I see are two completely different things. Now, guess what? Now we're going to start with some of your little mountains and some of your obstacles, because what I'm asking you to do is go and chop down the Ashra pole that belongs to your father. Go and chop it down. Are you having a laugh? The Mancunian Bible then goes, brackets, are you having a laugh? 
And what does God say to him? Even if you have to go at night, go and do it. So meaning nobody else sees it. You know you're being obedient. You know you're being obedient, but you've gone out when no one else can see you. You've gone and done it. Gideon didn't see that he was meant to be the vehicle that would bring provision that would allow the Israelites to come back into freedom. God had heard the cry of the people that had gone up before him. But the obstacle was starting your father's house, dealing with this, so we cut down the Asher pole. Now he thinks, they're going to kill me because I've done this. And they go, well, actually, he's been quite brave doing that. And then what's his next bit? He sees that God's moving. The angel has appeared. He's speaking to him. Right, if you're God, I'm going to pot down. I've been to the market. I've got myself a 6B3 rug. I'm going to put it down. I want everything to be wet around it in the morning, but the rug dry. Happy days. Gets up, it's fine. Right, just checking. Just checking because, you know, I believe this, uh, one must do our due diligence. Now I want the rug wet and everything else around it dry. How many times do you need to be convinced to face your obstacle? When God puts you in something, it's because he's already gone before you. It's whether or not you're willing to walk through the process. We see it with Elijah when he sends out his servant. He's just killed the 400 prophets of Baal and Asherah, 800 in total. He's seen them slain. Jezebel turns around and says, that by this time tomorrow, you're brown bread fella. I tell you, you're gone. He's got the backing of heaven. One woman speaks and instantly he goes into fear. He runs away. He comes away from the mountain, he's there, and he says, God, let me die. Just take me home. I've done my bit. I've been a hero. I'll be in the Bible somewhere. I know I will be. Might be in the smaller prophets, but I'm in. I'll be obedient to you. He starts to get the angel food that allows him to carry on going, but he has this moment where he sits and he starts to pray because it's by his word that there has been no dew and no rain, and God says, now it's the time for rain. So he starts to pray, and he sends his servant. What do you see? Nothing sends him back. Nothing sends him back. I see the cloud the size of a man's hand. He said, that's what you see, but what I hear and I perceive is the sound of the abundance of rain. He's here. He has to face. He's been on the run. He's on the run for ages. Now, I don't know if you've seen them programs on TV. Get Channel 4 or something where Mary's on the run. And they go, right, now the, the whole program is, if you can get to a certain destination, then you'll earn like 100,000 quid. But the SAS are after you, and the dogs are after you, and they pick you up on your phone, and they've got something in your fillings that tracks you. They've got all the stuff that's going on. They've got the satellites and the drones. It's all going. He'd been on the run three years. Nobody could find him. He's kept by God. The ravens fed him. He's had the widow. He's seen God pour out against the, the prophets. He was facing his mountain. One person spoke, and it caused him to lose complete perspective on everything that was going down. What about Goliath? Goliath saw a boy with a stick. That's all he saw. He saw a boy with a stick. David sees the Lord of hosts. See, I don't know if you've ever read that story. You read the story of David and Goliath. Anybody ever read the story of David and Goliath? It's a great story. Love that story. Even in kids' church, it's a great story. You can have lots of fun with that one. But in this story of David and Goliath, he goes to see his brothers. Now, let's, this is a man whose heart is after God. Yes? But should we just show you how natural he is? Should we show you a natural side of David? 
So what's in it for me, whoever kills him? There must be some kind of bounty. Goliath's got a bounty on his head, and it's not one of them chocolate things with two bars in it. He's got a bounty, and he says, you've got, you're going to get well weighed in, and you get the king's daughter. I'm in. Forget just being spiritual for a minute. He counted, when we're looking at the benefits and loss, he was looking at the, the column that says, I'm in the benefits column. And he goes, and all it says in the story was, and David stood there with his staff, with his sling, with five stones. And you've often said, why has he got five stones? Because David was big enough to know that when you read your scripture, Goliath had four other brothers. He says, I've got a stone, I'll take you down, and I'll take you, I'll take you, take you, I'll take you and your whole family. But he's there, and when Goliath comes out and sees him, his response is, am I a dog that you come to me with a stick? Then he changed the game. Do you know how, he, how Goliath changed the game? said he cursed him by the name of his God. He brought God into the equation. David could have been there with a pea shooter and he's going down because the backing of heaven came in and we know how the story pushed. It was, if you lose today, we will be your slaves and vice versa, you will be ours. Whoever won that battle, never make an agreement with the devil because it was never true. But you see it, David's thrown into the battle. He's facing his mountain, literally. That's literally me going out on Peter, Z, and big Ralph turning up and saying, come on, give it a go. But you know I can take them all. I'll take them all down. Don't you worry about that. What about the disciples when they're all sat there? The people's followed Jesus for days. They saw a boy with a packed lunch. Jesus saw provision. So he saw provision for the 5,000. What is it? And I'm sure it was Philip. It can't be Philip. It can't be Philip. It must be somebody else, Tony or somebody comes along and says, this is going to take a year's wages to feed all these people. Get them sat down. Get them, get, get them sardine sarnies out. Let's see how they start to spread about. And those sardine sarnies they had were passed around, and there were still 12 baskets left over. See, if we look at it, we say sometimes we face a physical battle, sometimes we face a health battle, sometimes it's financial, sometimes it's just circumstances. But the mountain seems so much bigger than us, but we forget who's on our side. Like I said, God has a habit of being able to put us into a corner to see what happens. You're smiling. I bet you wasn't smiling when it was you who was in the corner where God's trying to prove something. We have to stop reducing ourselves and starting to see how big he is. Amen? We need to start seeing just how big he is and how he comes through. You know... Angie said to us that if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, then we can speak to our mountain and it will be removed. So what was the key in that? If we have faith and if we speak. So there has to be a power that we have in our words, yes? So if you speak to your mountain, let the weak say, let the poor say, let the sick say, there has to be a response from you when you face something that starts to see something turned around completely. You know, when you have this whole thing of that sickness comes on you and it's, again, we fall into that bracket of and whose report will you believe? 
please, we cannot live in the land of crazy, in the land of stupid that says, I just ignored everything that they said. But when God gives me a word to stand on and I move towards him, then I can stand on the word. Can I let you know something? I can't stand on your faith. I can't stand on your word. I have to stand on what is given to me. For the secret things belong to the Lord, but what is revealed to me belongs to me and to my children and my children's children. What God sets on the inside of me, I can take to the bank, amen? So I have to learn and have the ability to sow the word back, the word that he is speaking to me. The word he is speaking to me. Read your scripture. Jeremiah 23, verse 30 declares this. Therefore declares the Lord, I am against the prophets who steal from one another words supposedly from me. The people going out and I've borrowed your word and I've borrowed your word and I declare it and say this is what God's saying and I push it out. I have to stand on that word that he has spoken to me. I know whom I believed and I'm persuaded that he's able. I stick with it. I work it through. I'm not going to be moved. We can't just parrot fashion. If God tells me, be still and know that I am God, by this time tomorrow I'm going to bring you provision, is my word of be still and know that I'm God, by this time tomorrow I'm going to bring you provision. M then can't go, well, it worked for Phil, I'll sit here, do nothing, I'll sit on my hands, I'm not going to work, I'm not getting a job, I'm not doing anything, because God will provide. You know what you're going to do? You're going to starve. Can the mercy of God meet you where you're at? Can he deal with our immaturity? Don't make it a pattern. You have to stand and take to the bank your portion. I won't go into a detail because I don't need to go into detail. The people who know are the people that know and the people who don't know are the people who don't know. So if I say this and you don't know, it's because you're the one who didn't know. Is that all right? So I hope that's as clear as mud for you. But last year, we went through some circumstances. It was a little bit of shifting sand. There was some shifting sand in and around our business. Just things were happening and things seemed to be out of your control. It's fine. Because God's going, okay, let's deal with some monsters under your bed, which is all right. And in that process, you say, God, you have to give us the word. Because if we have the word, we can stand on your word. It doesn't matter what circumstances come around you, we can stand on your word. Then bless her, Mary, who's come, off, come through for us so many times. She turned around, just in the cafe, doing nothing. How's your week been, Mary? Blah, blah, blah. You don't know how shifting sands are. Sands are shifting. You don't know. Because if you needed to know, you would have. And if you didn't know, it's because you didn't. Just talking to Mary about nothing. And then she starts to tell us about George Muller. And said, George Muller, and uh, just this provision. And she's telling this stuff. But reading the book about George Muller, he started to pray, and he was there. He dealt with missions. He dealt with sk- uh, school kids, orphans, all that kind of stuff. And she turned around and said, started to tell this story. She said, and what happened was there was this little uh, cart was coming down the street. It had milk on it, and then something happened to the horse. And he went, what are we going to do with all this milk? So we'll give it to the orphans. And then this guy was baker, and he baked all of this bread baked all this bread and then something happened and they couldn't distribute it so what they said give it the orphans and the guy had been praying the night before we have no food and we have no milk for the orphans but God saw provision was needed before the event arose and Mary just goes oh and by the way 
I believe that's what's going to happen in your business. Knows nothing about it. And you're going like that. Oh, that's a very nice marriage. Flipping it, God. You better go for it. <laughs> Do you know the way that you're responding to somebody else apart from, yes, Mary, that, that seems to, that sits with me. Inside you got <laughs> like that. The next day, somebody picks up and goes, oh, we want to drop this into your business. This, there was a count and a piece of work that covered everything that we needed to do. You kind of go, he sees the need and provides provision before you need it. But will you walk with him and are you willing to trust him? Or do we go back into our own selves that says, right, now how do I fix this? What do I do? I'll drive myself into the ground. I'll pray harder. I'll work harder. I'll do more. You know that? Has anybody ever been in that situation where you read it in scripture? It says you work more and more and you put it in your pocket. But when you put your hand in your pocket, there's nothing left. Has anybody been in that situation where you go, you seem to do more and more and have less and less at the end of it? Well, we seem to be getting to the stage of doing less and less and having more left in the pocket, which I quite like that. So keep on praying, Mary. You say, I'm just saying as a church now, everybody just needs to hold Mary in prayer. So Mary keeps praying. <laughs> no, there are obstacles and things that you need to fight. There are situations where you face things, whether it's a fear of lack, it's a fear of intimacy, it's relationships, it's I can't get something over the line. You can look, get it as practical as you are. Don't just keep seeing things in a big spooky spiritual world out there when we talk about mountains. Oh God, how do we take Manchester? Well, why don't you start, how do I take me? Let's start with me first. How do I deal with this and work from that area? But as you deal with some of the mountains and allow God to say, right, will you stand on my word and move forward in that area? You will see things changed. Thank you. As I said this morning, I really believe prophetically that there is the sound of the abundance of rain moving towards the dream center. You may understand that. You may not understand it. You might say, Phil, you just sound like an idiot. Shut up. The sound of the abundance of rain is coming. When we talk about whether it's the spring, the stream, the river, the fast-flowing river, the river that moves into the sea, whether it's the waterfalls, whatever it is, God is moving and there will be the convergence of many waters. All I can say to you at the moment is that and that which I know in my own spirit is that there will be a convergence of waters inside the dream center and your water level of ankle deep is going to change. Your water level is going to change. See, Tinks, our little Tinks, Ruby, she's in that stage now where it's wonderful, think all kids should do it. She's learning to swim. So she's, she has the swimming lessons, and she's gone from how many armbands, Ange? She's got three armbands. So you have three armbands. So you, you know, you're just like that, and you're a kid, and you just flow. It doesn't make any difference. Now she's down to one. She's down to one armband. She can jump in. She's not afraid of getting your face wet. You know, it's all that stuff now. But like us, we started at a level with our three armbands on, plopping along, and God's removing armbands so that we know his provision. We know how he goes. We know that he will keep us and he'll hold us. But the abundance, the sound of the abundance of rain is coming on the Dream Center. Now, will it come on you in the Dream Center is a different question altogether. We hold on to him, don't we? But I believe something that is key is this. It's from Genesis 7, 11. We read it this morning from the Psalms, um, just in passing. 
In the 600 year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on the day that all the springs of the great deep burst forth, the floodgates of heaven were open. What happens is, is that when your spring starts to produce and starts to break out, heaven can't help but respond and add its, its, its weight. These aren't my teeth, I'm borrowed them, breaking them in for someone. Its weight of water matches yours and starts to bring that convergence. Again, that's another day. We're just putting something on the radar for you in the days to come. But in Jeremiah 2 and verse 13, Pastor Tony touched on this a couple of weeks ago when he was here. It says this, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, to hone for themselves systems, broken systems, that cannot hold water. While I was in the prayer meeting, I was in the prayer meeting a couple of weeks ago, I just felt that challenge just by the Holy Ghost that says, just write, rewrite scripture for a second. So again, that's two things you can flog me for. Take me out and stone me this morning. Change the word system and change it for system. You have systems that cannot hold me. Systems, myths, traditions, philosophies, prejudice, history, the ability to learn and unlearn, past experiences, all of these things are systems that I put inside myself to protect myself that will either stop me being able to hold him when he comes, but also will stop me from ever facing my mountain. It will always look to self-protect. It will always look to pull away. It will always look to keep me on this one side. But there is a system where it says that when you find yourself in me, when you're grafted in the vine, John 15 talks about any man is in me, is grafted in the vine. If you remain in me, I remain in you. I am planted in his garden. He waters me, he refreshes me. My job then is to produce fruit, much fruit which is pleasing to the Father. And if I allow him to prune me, to shape me, to work with me, to water me, to deflee me, I'm saying deflee me. Have you seen green fly? See, we've got one of those low maintenance gardens now. We didn't have low maintenance garden, but then we had kids. And then we had a duck. And the duck and the kids between them destroyed everything that we had. So now we've got that wonderful thing called concrete. It's there that have little tubs on it and you can do different things. Easy, low maintenance, it's all wonderful. But it's amazing, you have something, it looks beautiful, come back the week after and it's covered in them little green fly. The things that eat away and you kind of go, there's a rose but where's half of it gone? Where's of this? Because these little monsters on it start to eat things away. When God deals in your life and my life, there's a term, I'm not a gardener. The only green finger I ever get is pardon the ponies when he's up my nose, right? Is, I am not a gardener, but there's a term I picked up from Monty Don. The only bit, BBC Two, it's the only channel we ever get in our house. Monty Don, dead heading. Now, does that not look like I know what I'm talking about? I don't, I'm pretty stuck, that's why I'm trying to think about what it was. But deadheading was taking the buds that didn't grow properly and you chop them back, which enables it to produce even more fruit. Is that right? Yeah. <sighs> God, shut up, you. <laughs> shut it. <laughs> Cast that woman out, Lord. Take her out. <laughs> deadheading is very similar to that. It will not be. You'll have to look and maybe do some uh, YouTube videos. 
It's close enough. But in your life and my life, God will deadhead. Things at times, things that when my head's dead, he breaks things off and brings new revelation. He brings understanding and he causes me. Do Do you ever get like me where you think now, what, 37? You get up in the morning, you still feel 18. Do you get those days where you go, do you know what, I, I can set the world on today. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Does anybody ever feel like they can ever set the world on? Yeah. <laughs> I think we're in the wrong place. <laughs> get them oranges back out. You feel that there's some days that there's no challenge too big. You go, if I went to the gym today, I could outlift everybody. If I run today, I'd beat, I'd beat Usain Bolt in a race. No, stop laughing. <laughs> they think, you kind of think, don't you? There's nothing that I couldn't do. I'm going to play golf today, and I'm going to be better than Tiger Woods. But these days, everybody's better than Tiger Woods. So <laughs> You kind of think that the world is your oyster. And then these other days, you think, I'm not getting out of bed. If I get out of bed today, I know the wheels are going to fall off everything. So I'm just going to hide from the world and I'll have a peep tomorrow and hope that everything has changed. We have to be a people who live on the front foot rather than on the back foot. See things changed in so many different ways, yes? So we have to deal with our systems in so many different ways. I think the key thing we need to look at in so many different areas and aspects of working these things through is have this understanding that God has gone before you. So when he says to Moses, come up the mountain, who's he meeting at the top of the mountain? He's meeting God at the mountain. When Jesus said to the disciples, go to the other side, who was going to be waiting for them at the other side? He's not asking you to go and do that which he hasn't done himself, that which he hasn't gone before you. So when he turns around, then maybe he says to Ange, and Ange's only a just a snapshot of saying, right, Andrew, it's time to find your voice. It's time that you can stand here. It's time for once and for all, put those monsters to bed. Because, you know, past experience has so much of a weight on us than we ever really realized. Do you know what? Maybe you've been in a relationship and you were hurt. So in that relationship that was hurt, you can very easily fall into brackets of, All men are like this. Well, they're not. Because I'm not like the one that you had. I'm I'm not like the one that you know. For women, they're not all, they're like this. And whatever title you want to put on something, your past experiences are dictating what's this. So if you've had an experience where you've done something, You've had your stars in your eyes moment. You know, all the time you've grown up, it's back. Britain's got talent. I have got the best gift in the world. I have the voice of an angel. I have the voice of a nightingale. It's more of a gale in, in the night than a nightingale. And you get out on the platform and you launch what you've got. And somebody laughs or mocks or pulls down then you know that next time I go to do that, unless I've got rhino skin, causes me to go, why don't you do it, Don? You do it. You always prefer somebody before yourself to allow them to climb their mountain and do what you should be doing, but your past experience is what stops you from moving forward. 
So you have to create a new experience. And can I let you into a little secret? And Angie, I tell you this publicly in front of everybody else so that I'm not hiding anything. It doesn't always go this morning that when people go, hey, it's Angie, they'll be like, sit down, shut up. These two, we don't care if you're on it now, she's in. She's in. It's what God wants. I'll remember that when you're telling me next week. You'll get the aspects of having another knockback and having to face something again and having to double guess yourself and having to, did he say or didn't he say? It's all the portion and the place of moving forward. It's one step in front of another continually. You know, I said to you that God has this habit of picking fights for us. And I said that the battle is the Lord's, but the fight is mine. Just one tiny kind of reference that will help you on this point. And I will put enmity between his seed and... Did he say his seed? Oh, it's your seed. Right, so the battle will be between you and him. God stands back and goes, I wonder how this is going to... Well, he knows how it's going to pan out. Because he believes in you and he trusts in you and he stands back. Because you know God, to deal with the situation, he only has to click his fingers. By the breath of his nostrils, things are finished. Like we said to you before, when there was war in heaven, God wasn't involved. It was brothers fighting together. It was Michael and his archangels versus, and they kicked him out. God didn't even have to get involved. So when God turns around and says, right, I'll put you into a war. The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and forceful. Forceful. Did you say angels there? Did you say deity in there? Say Godhead in there. Forceful men lay hold of it. God says, I back you in this fight. You can have that mad term, can't you? Do you remember when in the 80s and 90s we used to have mad T-shirts? And then mad T-shirts used to have like just stupid slogans on them, like Manchester and all kinds of different things. But one of them was, it wasn't the size of the dog in the fight. It was the size of the fight in the dog that mattered. What's the size of the God that's in you that enables you to stand and say, speak to this mountain? Because when you speak, you're not speaking. You're supposed to be echoing what he is saying. He is speaking to the mountain that will cause it to be removed. All he's saying is, will you partner with me in this situation? See, if the church could find its true position, if it finds it so that we came through to maturity, we know who he is, we know why our beloved is better than others. If we know what we're called to, you know that we become a completely different body. We become a completely different um, organism. You know, I read something this week and it really cheesed me off. I don't often get cheesed off, but it's cheesed me off. Do you know that one of my pet hates, it's not a pet hate because I know that it's kind of, it's out there and people need it. Facebook. <laughs> All right, Veronica. You know what I say about Facebook and people get lost in Facebook and you say you've, You've made your world Facebook and you've got all your invisible friends and never doing anything apart from telling each other you've all had beans and chips. Right? We understand that. Great. Facebook can be a wonderful thing and a brilliant tool. Yes, it can be fantastic for certain things. It can be used for good and can be used for bad. But the man who made Facebook is Mark Zuckerberg. So you all know who he is. So we all know he is and see that in our social world, he's made probably a bigger impact than anybody else of our generation. But he made his statement this week. And did you see what his statement was? Facebook now replaces the non-relevant church. 
Facebook has now become your community. You no longer need church. You can find everything on Facebook. Now, that's not his entire statements. That's the banner headlines that they've given you out of the article. Of course, you'd have to listen to it. But the context is where community has broken down and a groups of people can't get together, at least you can have a community and family on Facebook where the church doesn't scratch where you're itching. I beg to differ. But you know who's the answer? <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> I'm looking at you. There's more of you than there is of me. We're the answer, aren't we? Together. But there are mountains to change. There are, what was the, the whole saying? There are, there are mountains to climb, there are cities to take, there are giants to fight. Yes? These are all the process that we come through. But you know, in this wonderful thing of saying that God's got a sense of humor, we can look sometimes and say, God, this thing that's before me is so big. And I wrote this statement just the other day when I was thinking about it. Before you look at how far you've got to go, Look at how far you've come. Why don't you have a look over your shoulder before you say, God, I can't take that last bit. Just why don't you have a look back and see what the last year has made, the last two years, when you've been through process, just how far you've come. But this is, again, why we say that God's got a sense of humor. You know what he's doing? In Deuteronomy 11.11, it says this. But the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess is a land of mountains and valleys that drinks the water from heaven. The journey that we take is mountains and valleys. They don't like telling you, in this, uh, telling you this in church, but I'm going to tell you anyway. On your walk, there will be highs and there will be lows. There will be bits you like and there will be bits you don't like. There's bits when you can on the mountaintop and you can see everything. And there's the other days when you're in the valley and you just go, God, what are we doing here? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. The times when I have to learn to walk with him and stay close to him and know that he's true to his word and trust that he's going to deliver me and bring me through. There are two experiences, the mountaintop experience and the valley. But the land where we are going is a land where there's still the abundance of rain. The rain of heaven falls in this. But this is the great promise from Isaiah 41 verse 13. It says, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of you by your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, for I will help you. I am the Lord who will take you by the right hand and say, do not fear, for I will help you. But I'm taking you into a land with mountains and valleys. It's got its ups, it's got its downs. It's got its giants, it's got its obstacles. It's got the days when you're going to bruise your knees. It's got the days when you're thinking, how do I get through? God, I'm putting one foot in front of the other. I'm clambering up. When I say, my God, Father, give me the feet like the hind's feet, where you can climb then goats that go up the mountains. I sent a piece of video to Pastor Tony about six months ago. It blew my mind. So it don't take a lot to rattle around, but it blew my mind. I'm watching BBC Two. We'll get to get BBC Two. All of you get BBC Two. I'm watching BBC Two, and there's a program there about a goat. I looked at this goat and went, that's superimposed. No, that's, we're looking at DreamWorks here. No way. This is Disney on his best day. You've got literally... It's like that. It was on the face of a dam. It was on a dam. 30 foot from the top was a goat. Standing there on a ledge about that big. Full ballerina shoes on and everything. It was just perched. 
And it goes, you read the scripture and says, give me the feet like the hinds feet that can climb to areas. And God says, if you walk with me and your walk is found in me, it doesn't matter of the terrain, I'll allow you to ascend and have the ability to stand when you're there. You just looked at these goats and I just thought, where's its rope? Where's its rope? This goat had nothing. It was just literally there. I just thought, my God. And then you read this scripture, that I will take you by the right hand and I will help you. So do you know this morning that God's on your side? See, we can, it's very easy to, to quote scripture and say, say for instance, Ange or you were stood here this morning, it's your first time and you're just saying something and you're shaking, it's all with full fear and trembling. And then the scripture says, open your mouth and I will fill it. You just go, God, I know all these things you want to say, but as soon as I, the fear comes and I dry up and I can't speak, uh, all of that situation, and he goes, if you stay with me, I'll give you the feet to stand and I'll give you the ability to speak. But will you go? Now finish on a story. Finish on a story. You'll like this story. I don't like this story, but you'll like this story. I've used it before, so bear with me if you've heard it. Many moons ago, when Adam was still a kid, was in here on one Sunday night, and there was this guy who was probably touched areas and dimensions of the spirit that we had not seen before or experienced very often. And for those who've been around long enough, will know the name Andrew Sherman. There's four of us know Andrew Sherman. God knows who Andrew Sherman is, never mind. And he came in. And he started to say, there was just, you know, like we had in our worship this morning, something started to change and move. It then needs a man who can work that environment to allow the spirit to move. So we are a Pentecostal. We are Bethel Pentecostal Tabernacle in them days. And so he starts moving and he starts saying, I believe there's a song of the Lord and there's this. And Jim got up. Jim got up and he starts singing, uh, you can have a song in the night. Oh, uh, all right, forget it. It's old days. Jim starts to sing. He starts breaking it out. And we're all getting giddy because the Holy Ghost is moving. And then, because this is where he moved directly in the flesh. He moved out of the spirit into the flesh. He's moving around and he's saying, and Holy Ghost is moving. And he comes over. I'm sat here, this side. He goes like that. And he says, and brother, you've got the song of the Lord. I'll, I'll let you bring it in a minute. And you You want to talk about facing a mountain? <laughs> talk about singing. They don't, I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed to have a microphone. I'm not allowed anywhere. You know when they, they did the Dream of the King CD? Yeah. I was allowed to do colour reading. I wasn't allowed to turn up to any session. Okay, so spoilt it. So then, but do you know what? Do you know when he said it? I knew it was right. I've got the song. And then it starts. The song starts, and you go, oh, my God, how do I get out of this? Yeah, I'm now faced with my mountain. Church is packed. We're having a great night. Holy Ghost is breaking out. Jim sang. He's been up there. He stood on his chair, and he's had a sing. It's there. Phil's turn. Okay, come on, son. Come on. I know it's your. Come on, the Holy Ghost. Come on, come on. And he's literally like, oh. and you know, this won't be you, but you know like when you're breathing more, you're breathing more out than you can ever in? <laughs> you know, you like that? I get forward and he gives me the mic. 
and a star in full gusto. I'm on. I'm on. I'm in faith and I've gone. And I, I can even tell you what it was. I broke out with, you can have, no, it wasn't. It was a drink from me. Uh, drink from me and you will never thirst again. He joined in. It was Johnny. He went thirst again at the end of it, and it wiped me out. Wiped me out. Now I'm lost. I'm, I'm absolutely lost. And I'm just like, and now I'm floundering. I'm flat. I'm on the rocks. It's gone. Everything. All my faith has gone. And he's going, you, you, you. And he's trying to, you know, restart the fire, but it's too late because it's gone. And now I'll have looked like div of all divs because. And there go, and and you know when you feel like you're getting smaller and smaller, and you're hoping that the ground just kind of swallows you up. It was in that moment, and he's going, "It's all right, son. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it." So I'm thinking, "No, I'm worrying about it now." And then he texts the mic back, and I've got the walk of shame back to Jim, still on his chair singing. There'll be a song in it. You can have a joy, did it? All kick. It was all like a karaoke now. It was all on there. And I trundle back, smaller and smaller, and I sit on the chair. And my voice of encouragement, Tony, was sat at the side of me, just elbows me and just went, never do that again. <laughs> but guess what? I never did that again. Now, the amount of times where you felt that there's something and then you've squashed it because what I remember is this and never do this again. Now, the guy over the years has gone, I should never have said that because I brought you containment. And I went, I was happy to live with your containment that says never do that again. Because when you tell me never to do that again, when you say there's a song in the Lord, you go, is that? No, no, leave that side. There's somebody over here and it's not you. You know, you're moving in that area. But what my experience did is cause me then to become like Jericho and tightly shut up. And what I had to find how to do in finding my monster is knowing that not for my benefit, because in my head, there's a full orchestra going. When I start singing, it's wonderful in here. You being like this might not help, but it's wonderful here. But I had to find then a different expression. If I couldn't sing it, then I could say it. And how I could say it is taking spiritual thoughts and clothing them in spiritual words. Because he was smarter than me, Tony. Because 10 minutes after, when it was like, and there's something on you, brother, he came out and went, you don't have to sing it, do you? He went, oh, no, you don't have to sing it. I'm like, gee, thanks. He's walking back. I'm here every Wednesday. You know, he's... But the whole situation of saying this, it's quite funny. And it's quite, I'm glad that you can have a laugh at my expense. But all I need to say to you is that for you guys who stand here like Anne's doing the first time and saying, I'm facing my mountain this way, we've all faced them in different ways. We've all crashed and burned, but in that crashing and burning, will you get up and give it another go? Will you go again? 
Can you learn to trust him? Can you learn to even take hold of that word that says, I will take you by the right hand and I will help you. So now what I need is, Holy Ghost, show me how to do this smarter rather than I'm carried away on the moment and I'm just, this is it. Get Simon Cowell on the phone. I tell you, I mean, get him a live video link. I'm on. It's not. But the story of that is I was obedient. I got caught in somebody threw me off beam and I lost everything that I was going to say. And then I had the containment of never do that again. And he didn't whisper it. He didn't whisper it. But you know, it's whole that thing. There are mountains to climb. There are valleys to descend. But either way, he walks with us. He'll take us by the hand. Because there are obstacles, but each of those obstacles becomes an opportunity. Now in the not, let's get out our trumpet. Pastor Tony does this. When he goes around from place to place and he talks about building in the spirit, he says, let me tell you a story. And he uses this story to say, now I know a man who cannot sing, who can lead you in building in the spirit through the power of the word, even though he doesn't have a voice to carry the song. Because we found a new way. What is your way? Where does God want to show you? Because uh, can I tell you something? You're not all going to be like Pastor Tony tomorrow. You're not going to be like me. You're not going to be like somebody else. You've got to be you. And in you, he will work in you and through you, but you will face obstacles. And you know when you're doing really well? When God turns around and says, oh, by the way, Satan, that's Scott, but he's not. By the way, Satan, have you considered Irene? Because he knows he can trust you to come through the other side. The issue is, can you trust you? Let's stand to our feet. Obstacles and opportunities. I can tell you that every one of us will face them. Everyone will have your moment and everyone will have a different story to tell. Hopefully they don't all finish with never do that again. But well done, good and faithful servant, as we pursue him because we're going into a land of mountains and of valleys. But he wants to take us by the right hand and help us in our process. Amen. So let's just raise our hands just for a moment. Father, we thank you that even today, Lord God, Father, you've called us in our worship. Father, you said it's time to come higher. That, Lord God, Father, we want to go higher to where you are. Father, we just pray that even though we, we don't want to celebrate it, Lord God, Father, we thank you for the obstacles that we face. We thank you, Lord God, the faith that you build into us. We thank you, Lord, that never will you leave us or forsake us. But my God, I pray that as we find you in that chamber, Lord, more and more, I pray that your word will become so ingrained into our lives that, Lord God, the word will become flesh and dwell amongst us. That, Lord God, Father, we'll see the simplicity of what it is to be found in your presence. That, Lord God, Father, forgive us from the times when we put so many obstacles, we put religion, we put tradition, we make it so hard, Father, to find your face. But, Lord God, I pray, let it be that when people walk through this door, that, Lord God, there can be a God encounter even as they just hit their seat. That, Lord God, we want to thank you, Father, for opportunities. That, Lord God, I thank you that you believe in us. I thank you, Lord, that you're changing us. I thank you that you're molding us. But more than more than that, Lord God, Father, I 
I thank you that you're causing us to become mature sons and daughters in your presence. Lord God, that we will bear fruit that will bring glory to the Father. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Amen.